Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to day number 159, Romans chapter 11. Yes, we are back in Romans today, and uh, it's a great chapter, very helpful for understanding so much about Scripture, the relationship between Israel and the church and the way of salvation and uh, Old Covenant, New Covenant, all sorts of things in this chapter. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your gift to us of your Son and of your Word. Help us to treasure Jesus and help us to understand your Word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 11. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, then it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them, lest their eyes be dark, let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. 
For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Notice then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so, too, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. That is Romans chapter 11. And what a glorious chapter it is. So full of so much important truth and doctrine, full of important perspective for us. Ah, you know, God's word is wonderful. And every part of it is wonderful. But it is kind of funny to go from yesterday we were in Leviticus 12, which was two short paragraphs on when a woman gives birth, how long is she unclean? And of course, we did see a connection to Christ there with Mary. But then we come to this one, which is, you know, four times as long easily and just has so much complex and important covenantal theology in it. Uh, so let's let's dig in. Um, Again, in chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, just to reorient us to where we are, Paul is wrestling with the fact that most Jewish people don't believe in Christ. And so why is it that they received the covenant and the promises from their own genealogy came the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, was Jewish. So how is it that they, the vast majority of them, are not believers? So Paul starts chapter 11 with this important question. Has God rejected his people? I mean, God gave promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. God gave promises to King David. He gave covenantal promises about descendants 
and I'll be a God to you and to your children after you. Has God then just rejected his people? And Paul's answer to that is very, very strong. By no means. And we'll see Paul use a lot of pretty strong language in this chapter to refute some misunderstandings. So it's by no means. And he points to himself as an example. He says, I'm an Israelite. I'm a, I'm a Jew. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. You see, if you read the Old Testament, what you will see very clearly is what he had talked about in chapter 9, and that is not all of those who are descendants of Israel are really Israel. In other words, not all of those who are physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the 12 tribes of Israel, not all of those are true heirs of the covenant promises. They're not all spiritual Israel. There's a difference between physical Israel and spiritual Israel, even all throughout the Old Testament. So the Exodus generation, we've been spending a lot of time with them in our Old Testament readings, the vast majority of the Exodus generation were not believers. Even though they were led out of Egypt, even though they saw the Lord's miracles, even though they were given the right worship of God through the tabernacle and the priesthood, most of them rejected God's word and would not obey, and they were cursed and they dropped dead in the wilderness. They did, were not led into the promised land. And, and we're told later in scriptures, God was angry with that generation. There are people who go astray in their hearts. They were stiff-necked people. So it's always been a remnant. It's always been the people whom God foreknew, the people whom God has elected. Verse 5, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. We're given this example of in the days of Elijah. How many people lived in northern Israel, the ten tribes that were under King Ahab and Queen Jezebel? Hundreds of thousands, millions. There were 7,000 men who had not bowed the knee to Baal. So there was a wholly chosen remnant, but it was a remnant, right? 7,000 among perhaps 700,000. Um, and so it was a holy remnant, a remnant chosen by grace. It's always by God's grace that we are saved. And so Paul again emphasizes election here. Romans 8, 9, 10, and 11 are some of the strongest chapters in the whole Bible emphasizing election as, as Paul's wrestling with the fact that the vast majority of his fellow Israelites are not believers. So it is always by grace, always by God's saving grace, always by what God decides. And so God has decided that the vast majority of Israelites will have hard hearts and will not see the truth. Again, God uses very strong and clear language. The rest were hardened. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear, down to this very day. But what was his purpose in doing that? Was it so that they would stumble and fall altogether? And again, Paul says, by no means. The second time he said, by no means. Don't think that the fact that the vast majority of Israelites, Jewish people, are unbelievers means that God's just completely rejected them so that they're just going to fall into destruction forever. No, no, no. And many Christian people have been guilty of anti-Semitism or hatred of Jewish people uh, by making these convoluted biblical arguments of, you know, they're the ones who were guilty of crucifying Jesus and God's rejected them forever. No, no. He tells us a mystery here. I want to get to that. He talks about this olive shoot broken off, brought in. And he says in verse 25, I want, to, I want you to know a mystery. 
Okay, And a mystery is something that God keeps hidden from most people and chooses to reveal at the right time in the right way. So here God's revealing this. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That is the mystery. So Paul is revealing that by the Holy Spirit as God has revealed it to him. There is a partial hardening that has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So there will come a day when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and then this partial hardening upon Israel will be removed and they will come to the Lord. But I want you to see something else in this olive bush, olive tree imagery. And that is this simple question. How many olive trees are there that are the, the chosen people of God? Is it one or two? Well, it's only one, right? We Gentiles are branches from a wild olive shoot, and we were brought in and grafted into the nourishing root of the olive tree. They were broken off from the olive tree, but they could be grafted back in to the olive tree. And this, I'm emphasizing this because covenant theology, which we embrace, says that there's one people of God, one covenant of grace, the root of this. You don't support the root, the root supports you. The root is the covenant of grace, particularly the covenant given to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, that by grace through faith you are saved and that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed through your offspring will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Galatians talks extensively about how we Gentiles who believe in Christ are heirs of the covenant promises given to Abraham. So the covenant of grace as a whole, but even more specifically the covenant promises given to Abraham, that's the root of God's saving grace through faith of his people. We're brought into that, the one people of God, Israel, the church, spiritual Israel, corresponds to the true church of the elect, the invisible church, we call it sometimes, and that is to say, you don't always know who is the holy remnant and who is not. You don't always know who's really in the kingdom of God or who's just showing up at church looking like they belong. Same thing in the Old Testament. There was a difference between national Israel. National Israel corresponds to the visible church. So the outward company of the saints, of the people of God was called Israel, the nation, the 12 tribes. And then in the New Testament, it's called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the assembly. But we know that just as in Israel of old, so in the church today, that one people of God visible, there are those who don't really belong. Not all who are descendant of Israel are Israel. Not all who are in the external visible church are really in the invisible true body of Christ church. There's a distinction. There's always a distinction. There always has been and always will be as long as this world endures. There will be hypocrites. There will be self-deceived. There will be false professors. There will be those who are externally conforming. That's always true. And that's who he's talking about when he says, don't become proud because you could be cut off. You see, if, if we become proud, anti-Semitic, arrogant, prideful, boastful in ourselves, hey, they were cut off, so I might be grafted in, aren't I special? Well, that actually shows that you don't get it, that your heart's not been changed, that you don't really stand by faith in Christ. And if that's the case, then on judgment day, you will be shown to not have really ever been grafted in to 
the true olive tree. It's not that they're losing their salvation. It's that their unsaved state will be exposed. Jesus talked about this repeatedly and openly. He talked about how in Matthew 7, he said, in that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I'll say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. So not all of those, the wheats and the tares are sown together and they grow up together and they appear to be the same thing. But in the sifting of the judgment, the tares are blown away and the wheat remains and is brought into the barn and the tares are burned in the fire. Jesus told this story many times, the net of fish. It catches a bunch of fish. Some are good, some are bad. The good fish are brought in, the bad fish are tossed away. This is the nature of this people of God, this one people of God, Old Testament, New Testament. The covenant of grace is always that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in God's promised Redeemer alone not in ourselves. People like Moses and David and Abraham and Elijah, they understood that in the Old Testament. And people like Paul and Peter and Augustine and Martin Luther and John Calvin, they've understood that in the church. And they're all part of the same people of God. But in the Old and the New Testament, there were also false people. There were Hymenaeus and Alexander, right? There was Judas Iscariot. There are people who identify with the church and who appear by all outward appearances to be truly in but they're not and they're going to be cast away so do not become proud but fear you stand fast through faith that's a that's a great application for us there in verse 20 it's a humbling application but it's a great application check yourself are you standing in faith in the fear of the lord trusting in christ or are you wise in your own sight? Lest you be wise in your own sight, he warns in verse 25. Because that would show that your heart hasn't really been changed by the gospel. And so he says, all Israel will be saved. In other words, I, I believe what this is pointing to, and some Bible scholars disagree on this. There will be a future time when, when the fullness of the Gentiles have been brought in, that there will be a great turning to Christ among the Jewish people and a great turning to Christ uh, before Christ returns again. And that will be the resurrection from the dead. That will be the, the last thing to happen before Jesus comes again. So we, we end chapter 11 with this wonderful doxology. Um, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. This is God's plan and it's mysterious. You would never have guessed, if you just read through the Old Testament and it's the very first time you've ever read the Bible and you didn't know a thing about Jesus or the Gospel or the New Testament and you're just reading through, you would never have guessed that Jesus is going to come and he's going to be the fulfillment of all of these things and he's going to die on a cross shamefully and he's going to rise again on the third day and that that's going to be salvation. You would never have guessed that and most of God's people didn't guess that, but once it happens... You can look back and you can say, wait, this has been God's plan and purpose all along. Oh, it's been so clear that this is what God was preparing us for, although we didn't see it in the moment. That shows us the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. Whenever we come to a place in the Bible where we think we know something and we can almost 
be tempted to stand in judgment of God, like the story with Nadab and Abihu from a few days ago. Why would you do that? Why would you judge them? Or the even the flow of blood from a, um, a woman who's just given birth. Why is she unclean? And a lot of people want to criticize the Bible. No, we can't do any of that. We cannot do any of that. We have to say with Paul, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways, who has known the mind of the Lord or been his counselor, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are the wise one. You are the powerful one. You are the sovereign one. Certain doctrines in your word might cause us to stumble and, and be confused, but we need to come to a place where we see you are right in all of your ways, perfect in your knowledge, perfect in your wisdom, perfect in your ways. And we need you. We need you to be our God, to be our Father, to be our guide, to be our refuge, to be our salvation. So to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me for day 159. That means we're on to 160 tomorrow. I hope you're enjoying these times in God's word. I know I am. Hope they're a blessing to you. Tomorrow, we are going to be going back to Leviticus, picking up where we've been Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 on tap for the next two days. Hope you can join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.